Jesus is a powerful name, isn't he? And uh, as we continue through the year with this focus on every day with Jesus, or Jesus every day, I hope you don't get sick of hearing that beating drum because it's going to come time and time and time again. And uh, our prayer as a, as a team who speak with you and listen to God and want to encourage you in your own life is that your life will be every day with Jesus, every day with Jesus. I wonder if you know someone who's not famous, but that person knows somebody who is famous. Just a common, everyday Joe Blow, but they know someone who's famous. I have a, uh, a friend who's a teacher, and uh, many years ago he was teaching in a school where Jimmy Barnes' kids attended, rock star Jimmy Barnes. And uh, he said it was really strange. He was having a parent-teacher interview with Jimmy Barnes. And so I found myself asking all sorts of questions. What's he like? Um, You know, does he this? Um, Was he such and such? Did you talk about his music? Did you do this? Did you do that? Wanting to know all about Jimmy Barnes. And when we come across someone who's just an average Joe Blow who knows someone famous, we want to ask them lots of questions about that famous person. Do they have Vegemite on toast for breakfast? Or what brand of shampoo do they use? Or whatever the questions might be. And uh, sometimes on the media you might see, you know, special, um, uh, special media presentation. You know, the royal butler tells all. And uh, you want to know, what does the royal butler know about the royal family? Or there might be a new book released by the royal potato masher, you know, who tells all the stories of the royal family because she was there mashing the potatoes. Or whatever the case may be. <laughs> But we want to know about these famous kind of people. And our next series in church for the next few weeks is a similar kind of thing. We're going to explore the lives of the disciples, the people who spent everyday time with Jesus. And through the lives of the disciples, let's find out a bit more about Jesus. But it's not just uncovering the past. Steve spoke to us last week about Jesus who was and is and is to come. So as we look at the lives of the disciples and look at some of the stories and the interactions with Jesus, it's not just finding out what happened, but it's finding out what lessons they learned, what interactions they had with Jesus that are relevant for us today, and how Jesus spent time with these average Joe Blows, and what they learned, and what that can do for us as well. But before I start looking at a story, a specific story today from the Bible, there's different layers to being with Jesus every day. We were created to be in relationship with God. And again, as Steve pointed out last week, he desires to be with us. And so one layer of being with Jesus every day is simply just to hang out with him. And you know yourself, your closest friends and loved ones, it doesn't particularly matter what you do together, but it's just good to have time together, isn't it? So that's one layer of every day with Jesus. Another layer is that it's a benefit to ourselves. It can fine-tune our own lives, give us the peace that we need when circumstances are going a bit uh, haywire, or give us the direction that we need when we're not quite sure of the right approach. Um, confidence and strength to face things that we know are coming up. So it can be a benefit to us personally. But I don't think that's the end goal. Another layer to having time with Jesus every day is that it impacts how we relate to one another. 
It's a chance to consider what's happening in the lives of those around us and how we connect with them. The Bible says to love one another. And if we're with Jesus every day, we can do that more effectively. But again, I don't think it's the end goal. Another layer, and I think the overarching one, and all these other points feed into that, is that every day with Jesus better equips us to bear witness to him. And that's a key point that I want to make, and I want to take some time just to explore that before we get into um, the, uh, the lesson that the disciples learned. You see, God created a perfect world way before time began. God was there. That's one of the mysteries of God we don't yet understand. And he created a perfect world, created us to be in a perfect relationship with him. And that's how it was until through mankind, sin entered the world and created a gap between us and God. The only way to fulfill that gap and connect us again with God is was through Jesus. And Jesus came to earth so that we could be with God again. In Jesus' own words, he says, The Son of Man came to seek and save those who were lost. So that was his mission, to seek and save the lost and to connect us with God once again. I heard someone recently say it's a very simple story. The hero kills the dragon and gets the girl. That's the simplicity of uh, the story of Jesus. And while there was only ever one who could die for our sins and bridge that gap, Jesus has given us the mission to tell others about that. The very first thing he said to the disciples, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And that's recorded word for word in three of the Gospels. His final word to the disciples, therefore go and make disciples of all nations and you will be my witnesses. So if Jesus' first and last words were all about fishing for people and bearing witness, then I believe his everyday time with them between the first words and the last words were about preparing them for that task. And that to me is the crux of every day with Jesus, being prepared and refined for the task of telling the good news of Jesus. There's a Swiss theologian named Emil Brunner, and he says, The church exists by mission, just as a fire exists by burning. Where there is no mission, there is no church. And where there is neither church nor mission, there is no faith. So unless we have this passion, this burning desire within us to tell other people about Jesus, then really what is the point? We have no church. What we have then is a local club. We come together, we enjoy each other's company, we hear some great music, we catch up on how the week's been for one another and off we go again. But Jesus didn't come in the world to establish a network of clubs. He came to provide a way back for God and the church... Our church is responsible to be part of that. So what the disciples saw and experienced with Jesus every day was part of that bigger picture of God's plan to bring the world back to him. And in his time with the disciples, Jesus trained them for that ministry. And along the way, they had to iron out a few lumps and bumps 
uh, that could hinder them. And it's the same for us. Every day with Jesus is not about seeing that our lives are better or easier or smoother necessarily, but to be refined and more useful in our mission, mission for God. I recently heard a quote that said, if they listen, tell them. If they won't listen, show them. The point being that we should be doing whatever we can to tell or to show others about the love of God. So as we launch into looking into the lives of those who are physically present with Jesus every day, ask God what is it that he wants to reveal to you through the lives of the disciples so that you today can be a light to other people. So with that bigger picture in mind, let's turn to today's passage, Matthew chapter 20. It'll be on the screen there. And here we come across a very everyday common kind of a situation that Jesus had with the disciples. And it's very common to us. It's something that we can relate to, particularly those of us who uh, have children, uh, who fight and squabble and uh, they want the biggest and the best of everything because their sibling had it last time and it's not fair. And uh, they make a request for this and their siblings get their noses out of joint and so on it goes. Let's read from the Bible. Matthew 20, starting at verse 20. Then the mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus with her sons. She knelt respectfully to ask a favour. What is your request? he asked. She replied, In your kingdom, please let my two sons sit in places of honour next to you, one on the right and the other on your left. But Jesus answered, By saying to them, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering I'm about to drink? Oh yes, they replied, we are able. (laughs) Yeah, sure. (laughs) Jesus told them, you will need to drink from my bitter cup, but I have no right to say who will sit on my right or my left. My father has prepared those places for the ones he has chosen. And here come the jealous siblings. When the other ten disciples heard what James and John had asked, they were indignant. But Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and give his life as a ransom for many. Well, I mentioned that Jesus had a few lumps and bumps to iron out along the way. And here's a very real example. Even though they were hand-picked by Jesus, the disciples were just like you and me. Imperfect people who didn't always get it right. And while Jesus spent time teaching about God showing God's power through healing and miracles and performing all sorts of things that were just amazing. He also spent time teaching the disciples how to get along with one another and correcting their mistaken words and actions. Why? Not just so that they could keep peace with each other and have a good day, but ultimately so they could be an effective team of witnesses to Jesus. And again, it's the same for us. Every day with Jesus means we can be part of his team of witnesses. 
So let's have a look and see what the disciples learned that day. Four points for those who are taking notes. And the first is that every time, sorry, everyday time with Jesus gives us a more clear understanding of the truth of who he is. When we're with Jesus every day, we get a more clear understanding of the truth of who he is. And why do we need that? Why do we need that understanding of who Jesus is? Well, if we're going to tell others about him, we have to be telling the truth. I think the question that uh, the mother asked of Jesus was sincere, but misguided. And perhaps the motivation was wanting to set up her son's future. And I get that, you know, you want the best for your kids and perhaps, you know, a bold question here and a little bit of something there and just sort of nudging them in um, the limelight and so forth might mean that things are better for them in the future. So perhaps a good motivation but misguided. The mother actually expressed some kind of understanding of who Jesus was because she said, when you are in your kingdom. So she knew that Jesus someday would be ruling in a kingdom. Now, it's not clear whether she thought that was an earthly kingdom or whether she had a concept of a heavenly kingdom, but she still acknowledged that one day Jesus would rule. She had a bit of an understanding of who he was. But a bit of an understanding can be a dangerous thing, unless it's a full understanding. And as we look through history, we see many sad and misguided things that have happened in the name of Jesus. People who had a bit of an understanding but not a full picture. I want to say this, but I want to say it sensitively, that even this week I was reading that leaders of the Catholic Church were being questioned about whether a priest would report a crime, and we're aware of the crimes that have been committed, if someone was to admit to that crime during confessional. And these leaders' answer indicated that the sanctity of confession would be upheld more so than the laws of mandatory reporting. And I think that concept goes way back, hundreds and hundreds of years. And I think it's a bit misguided too. We can bring our confession straight to God. We also have a duty to observe the law of the land. And it's easy to look at Uh, institutions like that and point the finger of blame and look at the faults but is our own denomination guilty of doing similar things are we as individuals guilty of acting in certain ways I'm not talking child abuse but are we guilty of acting in certain ways because we have some kind of misguided understanding of Jesus and who he is and we base that um, on what we do And I think we need just to stop and think and say, okay, God, there's a lesson there for me somewhere as well. Is there something that I think, this is right, this is what the Bible says, this is what Jesus says, but what I'm doing is against um, loving one another. And we need to be careful that we know the truth. Jesus says in John uh, John 8, 32, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. The thing about truth is that it needs some kind of yardstick of measure because we can convince ourselves that what we know, what we read, what we understand, how we act, what we think is the truth and it's correct. But how do we know? How do we know? Some people say, well, there's no absolutes in truth. There's a lot of grey areas. 
But I believe there is an absolute in truth. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And we must make sure that what we believe, what we think, stands up to what is in the word of God. And if we don't spend time with Jesus, if every day with Jesus isn't part of our lives, we can deceive ourselves into thinking that we do know the truth and we're heading in a different direction. The second point that the disciples learned that day is that our misguided understandings, our failures, our moments of weakness don't exclude us from serving God. James and John, no doubt, had some idea that mum was going to ask the question. If your mum was tagging along with you to work one day, you would say, what are you doing? What are you doing? My own kids attended the school I teach at. And uh, two of them would come up through the day if we happened to pass and give me a big hug and ask for canteen money. One would avert his eyes, and I've given it away because I have two girls and one boy. And at home that night he'd say, Dad, I was so embarrassed when you walked past me. I'd say, mate, I didn't talk to you. I didn't acknowledge you. Oh, but I was so embarrassed. (laughs) And if ever I had to go into their classrooms for something, it's sort of like, what are you doing? What are you doing? So I suspect James and John, with mum tagging along to catch up with Jesus and the disciples, had a fair idea that there was something brewing But, you know, even though the mother asked the question, Jesus' answer was directed to James and John. He knew that they were thinking what mum was saying. A side lesson, we can come directly to Jesus. We don't have to go via somebody else. And it created, of course, indignation and upset with the disciples. However, James, John and Peter were three of the first disciples called and considered by many people to be favourites of Jesus. John is mentioned as the disciple whom Jesus loved. Peter, the rock upon which I will build my church. It was those three disciples who were witnesses to the raising of Jairus' daughter when she died, to the transfiguration of Jesus, to the agony of Jesus in Gethsemane. Peter and John were set ahead to make Passover preparations. And it was only John who stayed at the foot of the cross during the crucifixion. Peter and John are prominent in the book of Acts, preaching boldly and healing the sick in Jesus' name. And in Galatians, Paul refers to James, John and Peter as pillars of the church. So even though they had special places in Jesus' life, they did have to drink the bitter cup. James was the first of the disciples to be killed by the sword. John lived for another 50 years after that but spent his final days in exile because he'd been preaching the word of God. Tradition says that Peter was crucified upside down. So they had to drink that bitter cup. So even though they were favourites of Jesus, that they had a tough life, three of them were also most often reprimanded by Jesus. If you were to look through the, uh, the Gospels and find all the times that Jesus had to correct disciples, it was often... James and John and Peter. But the Bible does tell us those who Jesus loves, he disciplines. 
So being a mighty person of God doesn't mean that you have to get it right 100% of the time. And on this particular day, James and John and their mum didn't get it right. But it didn't mean they couldn't then go on to serve and to be used by God in mighty ways. The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. And when that happens, we don't need to feel the burden of guilt and failure. But rather, what God do you want me to learn? What do you want me to deal with in my life so I can be a more effective person for you? So they learnt that day that being reprimanded isn't the end of the story. It's just an important part of the journey. The, second, uh, the third point to come out of the story is that the request was purely something for themselves. It wasn't for any purpose that would advance the kingdom of God. And there's a challenge there for us. Are the requests that we make of God, are the prayers that we bring to him purely just to make our day a little bit better? Or is it something that can further the kingdom of God and will bring others closer to him? Now don't get me wrong, God does care about the tiny details in our lives. The Bible says in Luke that Jesus knows the number of hairs on our heads. That's more reassuring for some than others. But if our prayers are more about what can I get from you, God, what do I need from you, God, and not how can I serve you, then I think we've got it wrong. I I love uh, um, that our speaker on on the 12th, um, Pam mentioned already, uh, Murray Bingham, asks daily for a divine appointment, a divine interaction with God or with other people. And uh, you will hear some amazing stories there. And uh, I don't know that his prayers say, God, you know, can I have this and can I have that? But God, how will you use me today? And I think the disciples thought, well, they'd given up the little that they had and they followed Jesus. And they'd been tagging along with him and their mum for some time that they'd gone through various parts of the country, preaching the gospel, supporting Jesus. And pretty much all their service and sufferings were just about over. So it was now time to ask, well, God, you know, or Jesus, rather, the the last few years, you know, we've been doing all of these things, you know, what do I get in return? How about it? So they were looking for an earthly reward for their faithful service. They weren't asking for any further use of themselves in the service of God. And the toughest was yet to come. This was just the start of the whole picture. And they couldn't have imagined the challenges and difficulties that they were still going to face. And I think we need to think about our own prayers and requests. We have to realise that the battle is not yet over. That it's not the point where we can want reward from God. But rather, God, how can I continue to serve uh, serve you? God, how can you change my life? And how can I grow? And how can I become stronger? How can my understanding of you increase so that I can be more effective for you. The fourth thing that comes out of this, uh, this story is that Jesus didn't just reprimand or correct their misguided thinking. He taught them something new. So Jesus' reply to them wasn't so much a criticism or, guys, you're really asking the wrong thing. You shouldn't be saying that kind of thing. 
but rather it was pointing out where they were and a reminder or teaching about where they should be. He brought about brand new thinking. The first shall be last. That was a new idea. He points out in that verse that the rulers and authorities wanting to be leaders, wanting to have, um, have something for that leadership, where Jesus was saying, if you want to be great, you've got to serve other people. And that's new thinking. And I believe that if we have time with Jesus every day, that it's not just about being reprimanded for the wrong things we've done, but it's about hearing something new, something that we hadn't considered before, learning and growing in who we are. And that passage ends with Jesus pointing to himself as an example. In Matthew twenty twenty eight, he says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life for a ransom for many. So the bottom line, Jesus was saying, look at me as an example. Look at me. We need every day with Jesus to be able to look at him as an example. How can we do that if we don't know who he is? Our thoughts are limited and we get locked into what we think we know is being correct. But the Bible tells us that God's ways and thoughts are higher than ours. But we need time with Jesus to discover that. The challenge for the week, you'll receive a card like this. I've already got one, Jane, so we can't claim two. Apparently they tick off the names and so forth, so I'll share it with you. But that's ours. You'll get yours very soon. It says, reflect on your thoughts and see how they line up with the truth of Jesus. Reflect on your thoughts. Holly's worried. <laughs> She's cuddling up next to Dad here. He's not going to save you. <laughs> reflect on your thoughts and see how they line up with the truth of Jesus. And that was the lesson for the disciples that day. This is what you're thinking. Mum, this is what you're thinking. But how do they stack up with the truth of Jesus? You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You can hand those out now if you like, ladies and gentlemen. The truth will set you free. There was nothing being set free with James and John's request. It didn't create freedom for anyone. It put them and their mother in the spotlight for the wrong reasons. It stirred trouble amongst others. Rather than something that created freedom, it creates a predicament where there's tension and ill feeling. If we find that we're too frequent involved in tension and ill feeling, anxiety, conflict with one another, then it could be that our incorrect thinking is the fault of that. Incorrect thinking leading to poor actions and attitudes. And we need that time with Jesus to point out what is the truth. I don't want to leave you just with this card though. How do we do that? How do we reflect on our thoughts? Here's four questions that might be able to help you. If you have a pen, you can jot them down on the back of the card. Or if you're taking notes, do that. The first question, a very practical one, is you can ask yourself, what did I intend to do today and what did I actually do? 
as we're reflecting on things, sometimes we have the best intentions, but it doesn't happen. If we ask that question, what did I intend to do today? What did I actually do? I think that will help us to uh, get an idea of the reality of our day. The second question you can ask yourself as you're reflecting is, how did my words and actions bear witness to Jesus? So what is it that I actually did? And how did it bear witness to Jesus? As a Christian, we bear witness to uh, Jesus just because we're using the name of a Christian, because we're connected with Jesus. What kind of witness are we? Are we a witness that does draw people to clo- uh, closer to Jesus or turn him away, or turn them away from him? The third question, how do my thoughts and attitudes line up with the truth of the Bible? What have you done? What's been the impact of that? Does that line up with what the Bible says about how we should be living our lives? And there's so much in the Bible about that. And the last question, tomorrow, what will I confidently, and I've got in brackets there, in Jesus, what will I confidently in Jesus, because that's where our confidence comes from, what will I confidently do the same? And what in brackets, through Jesus, because it's him and his power that can change our lives, and what will be different? What can I confidently do the same, and what will be different? That then loops around to the first question again. What do I intend to do, and what did I actually do? And so forth, and so the cycle repeats. But I believe if you can take 15 minutes at the end of each day, ask those questions of yourself, answer them honestly, reflect that upon the word of God, then you'll find that the truth will be known to you and the truth will set you free. In faith, I believe the words that are spoken from the front of the church, whether it's myself or someone else, are things that can help us all in our Christian life. And I'm sure we're not just banging our heads against a brick wall. And I want to really challenge you to take up Jesus every day. Don't let it become something that you arrive at church and think, ah, that's right, I was going to, but I didn't. Or uh, as you sit down and get comfortable, think, oh, I know what this one's going to be about. It would be sad to think that as the year's progressing, that all of us aren't being more aware of Jesus every day. But I want to just clarify something too. I'm talking about time with Jesus, but it's bigger than that, isn't it? It's about walking every step every day with Jesus. It's not just saying, here is my life and here is my little bit of Jesus time. It's about making sure that Jesus really is part of everything we do every day. Let's pray. God, I thank you that your love for us is so great that Jesus came to die a terrible death on the cross and bridge the gap that we created between us and yourself. Father, I pray that we will walk every step of every day with Jesus. I thank you for the disciples and the lessons they learned. And as we find out from them more about you, 
I pray that we can apply that to our situation as well. But Jesus, more than anything else, I pray that our everyday time with you, our everyday steps, our everyday walking, our everyday conversations will bear witness to who you are. They won't just make life better for us, but they will bring people into your kingdom. God, you are an amazing God, and we love you. And I pray that the love we have for you will be clear and evident to those who we see on a daily basis. Amen.